Welcome to the Beef Up After Party. What up? Can we, you just talk us through what's about to happen here? Carnage. I'm not a big drinker, so this could get interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry if this microphone wears. Am I supposed to be serious or not on this? So it'll be basically be the same system. The same system. But, but with ours. Yeah. The total web meltdown. Okay, long story short, basically we screwed it up. Because this festival hasn't broken me enough. Oh, f it, motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural Beef Up After Party debate. Our topic, aperture requirements in our lenses. Do we need the F2.8s or the F4 versions? Now, let me just give a really basic and quick summary on aperture before we get into this. Aperture is the hole in the lens that controls the amount of light that gets through to the sensor. So it's a key setting in us getting our exposures correct, but it also will control how blurry or sharp the background of the image is, and it will also give us more control over what shutter speeds that we use. So now that we've got that out of the way, allow me to introduce to you our contestants for this contest. The first person on the podcast can be as elusive as a snow leopard and is often found traveling to remote locations in his private helicopter. He also created BFOP in 2017, effectively giving birth to BFOP straight out of his creative womb, which would make him the mother of BFOP, Nick Fletcher. Nick will be arguing for the F2.8 side, and Nick will be up against a guy who's got the energy of a squirrel on speed. He teaches every single form of photography known to man. He waxes his chests, and boy, can he make an online ticketing system. Matt Crummins, who will be arguing for the F4 side. So without further ado, let's get to the action. Uh, let's get Now I want a clean fight. Listen to my instructions at all times. Protect yourself at all times. Touch gloves and let's get it on. Okay, we are here with Matt and Nick and we're here to battle it out and hopefully educate some people and maybe come close enough to an answer of what lenses are better, f2.8 or f4. So arguing for the 2.8 side is Nick out of the blue corner. And out of the red corner for the F4s is Matthew. How are we feeling, gentlemen? Confident. confident, yeah. Both confident? Yeah. Oof. Spectacularly so. Both confident. It's Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> Loving your hat, Wes. Your you. hat, for those who obviously can't see, but Wes has an automated hat that wags its ears when he's happy. Pretty it's, amazing. It's not all that wags. <laughs> so we're going to hit a few topics. We are going to hit a few topics here. So that we're not talking brand specifics. We're just talking F2.8 versus F4, correct? Yeah, but I think we're yeah. talking about the Holy Trinity. On Easter Sunday. Very fitting, mm. isn't it? Yeah. I like what you did there. I like what you did there. So explain that term, Holy Trinity, to us, Nick. Uh, it's the, the three lenses people will tell you every professional photographer needs, which is a 24 to 70 millimeter, so a, a relatively wide angle a uh, sh sort of short telephoto, 70 to 200, and then a really super wide angle, um, sort of somewhere around 12 to 24, 15 to 30, something like that. Sorry, Matt's just pouring himself a wine, clearly. I was just getting bored of Nick uh, getting these in the wrong order here. Did we just go from short telephoto to long telephoto to ultra wide? Yeah. I, I feel I, you're yeah. flustered, already. <laughs> flustered I, I'm, already. I'm on the back foot on that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's, here's the truth. I 
the 24 to 70 is the most evil lens on earth and i don't own one never have never will Ooh, there we go I think that, that, that is that is subject of a whole nother debate yeah right Shots i'm impressed that you're arguing for it then that, this is like the uh this is why i could never be a lawyer i think he's <laughs> You're really you're arguing for something you just truly don't believe in, you know. Well, let me tell you, if I was going to get a twenty-four to seventy, like if my life depended on it, it would be a two point eight. <laughs> All right, Mister Wesley, right. how's this going to work? So we are going to cover off on a few topics, and the first one, just to get underway, will be genre slash versatility slash application. So, what styles of photography? Do they do Bennett? Pardon me. What styles of photography Bennett benefit from f4 versus f2.8? How versatile are they? I think I'll kick this one off being the underdog arguing for the f4. Um, I got to say, so I, I love that Nick's got this confidence around the f2.8 lenses, and I think that's cute. I really do. But my argument for your f4 lenses is really the versatility is, is, is actually. Um, <clears throat> He's a lot more versatile than what people think. So to me, I'm thinking about putting my lenses in a bag and going out hiking. I'm thinking about trying to jam my gear into a bag to travel with. F4 lenses, naturally, substantially lighter, substantially smaller in most cases. Um, and you know what? I'll throw one more versatile uh, punch. Have you ever tried to put an ND filter onto a ultra-wide F2.8 lens? Have you seen the Meccano set that you need to attach to the front of that bad boy to actually get the thing on there in the first place? I'd argue that, you know, your landscapes died of old age by the time you get that thing set up. Hit me there, Nick. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. I'll Nick, take that. Nick, take it so, away. So, yeah, let, let, let's start with the ultra-wide. So I, I've done some, it's a rare thing, I've done some actual research. So if we take um, the most popular can, camera brand in the world, Canon, so you could have their... EF 16 to 35 in F4 or F2.8. Um, in in F2.8, it is 790 grams. In uh, in F4, it's 615. That's like two grapes difference. Two grapes. And you know, if you if you're hiking and you got lost, those two grapes could be the difference between you surviving and not surviving. I just like, like you've to, already eaten those two grapes. <laughs> I just like to point out. <laughs> Nick, I think you're more prepared for this discussion than you are any of the beef ops. I, I certainly am. I certainly am. Um, but here's the thing. you Like, no one goes hiking with, well, first, certainly you wouldn't take a 24 to 70 because you don't need that lens. But you'd, you'd take a wide angle and you'd take a telephoto. And the difference would be a can of Coke. It'd be nothing. Yeah, so I, I don't think that that's untrue, but I've got to say, if you've ever seen that Jenny Craig ad where the lady's carrying around 10 kilograms of oranges and then she puts them down and says how much she feels relieved, I think this is exactly the same thing. You go and climb 10 kilometres up a mountain and that one can of Coke, that will be the back-breaking part. You were in the army, Nick, you should know this. Every every little bit of water that you carry, you've know that that's that's, that's you got to carry it out there. It's, it's, I think it's going to make a big difference. I also think that you're being very specific on your cannons there. I'm going to throw a curveball in here. One of our great sponsors and supporters of uh, BFOP, Olympus, have a tremendously beautiful 7 to 14 millimeter lens at f2.8, which, yeah, that's the equivalent of a 14 to, uh, what is it, 14 to 28. Um, that weighs like a, what is it, 534 grams. But if you were to go and look at, say, their 9 to 18, not 100% the same. But that one there is closer to your F two, uh, your F four, 
that one's going to come in um, quite a lot lighter at 155 grams. So it's all good and well that you want to go and um, whoa, you know, praise whoa, whoa, Canon whoa, that much. Whoa, whoa, but, uh, whoa, whoa, yeah. hang, hang on, hang on. At least choose like for like. You've chosen a much less wide lens there to compare the two. I can, I can, I can do this all night if we're going to do that. We we are definitely not going to be here all night going over weight weighting grams of every lens on the market. I mean, so no, let's, I, let's I will multiply give, will the give, lens out then. I will give it to you uh, if you've got a if you've got the full set. You're somewhere around a kilo, maybe even more, a kilo and a half, depending which which set you're doing different. But you know, I, I do these big seven day motorbike rallies, um, and I've always got a seventy two hundred, always got a two point eight wide, and a strobe, and but a. But you're remote. also riding. You're also riding essentially an electric camel. You're not actually carrying any of that. <laughs> you're flying through the desert on a, on a petrol-powered machine. I mean, you're not really carrying it. So <laughs> that would be my argument there. I would say that for us real adventures, I mean, if you ask, say, Cam Blake when he's climbing up Cradle Mountain, whether or not he cares about that extra kilo on his back, I have a suspicion that that man might care. I, I will. I'll give this to you. I'll, I will give this to you. If you are only doing landscape photography, and you are not doing astrophotography, you don't need 2.8. Okay, so that, that I was just about to step in and say we spent a lot of time talking about the weight of the lenses, but we haven't touched on the genre yet. So, Nick, you bring up landscape photography. You mentioned astro. What about the other stuff? What about portraiture? What about weddings? What about street? So I think you won't find many wedding photographers who are not using 2.8 if they're using a... Uh, one of the holy holy trinity for two reasons one is the bokeh and the second is that they're normally shooting in in lower light um and it is there's always a lot of difference most if you go to most venues even with a normal lighting on you're somewhere around if you're down at sort of one one three hundredth of a second something like that um you're at least three thousand two hundred um so he's talking about iso for those iso 3200 sorry and 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 there's a big difference between that and 6400 what the image looks like all right but that that's all good well i do agree that um that if i was doing professional wedding photography where i might be you know pulling in a few thousand dollars a gig um you know that 1500 dollars price difference i'm probably not going to blink too much at that um I guess I, did, I, I thought we were talking to the people, Nick. I didn't think we were sitting on our thrones up at the top of that mountain there and uh, looking down on everyone going, ha, 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 um, with the pro, the pro lens on. I'm thinking here the average user um, who might be into, say, portrait photography. Um, to me, you're going to be shooting that portrait on probably your 70 to 200. And by the time you, you actually get out to that kind of focal length, um, the bokeh on a 70 to 200 millimeter lens, even at f4, it's still pretty good. And you can actually use some of your your skill um, or your knowledge to to push your backgrounds out further and still achieve a really nice bokeh. Um, wedding photography, yeah, I'll give it to you there. F two point eight is going to be ideal. One point four is going to probably be even more special. Um, but you know, I think the average person listening to this podcast, I'm not one hundred percent convinced that uh, that that f two point eight. When you're not making any money off it, no, you're shooting no. f thirty two hundred ISO, I wouldn't be too fussed about that. No, Matt, you, you actually, you do make a fair point. I mean, if, if you want to accessorize a cardigan and an anorak well, you cannot be an F4. If you want to look like Puff Daddy, you need that 2.8. You're think, absolutely right. Is that the name he goes by <laughs> in 2020? 
I, you know, he'd have a new one straight after this virus. He would have a new spectacular code name. And I think it's really important to point out that that's how you pronounce it. Wait, wait, but Boca, that's how it's actually pronounced. Is that right? It's like a Boca bowl. You know, the, those new food trend in the, in the food court. I always struggled yeah. with that. I always struggled with yeah. that. Okay. So we've mentioned there portraiture. Any, any comments on about portraiture there, Nick, other than cardigans? Oh, look, I, I think in, if you're doing indoor portraiture, you can probably get away. You can probably get away without a zoom lens at all. You get a, get a nice sort of 85 mil portrait lens, you're done. Um, but there is something really special about a, a wide aperture portrait shot, and you can't do that any other way. You can do it on your iPhone, perhaps, badly, but you can't do it any other way than, than wide I'm gonna, aperture. I'm gonna, I want to throw one more thing in here because... I'm going to not swap sides for this particular argument, but I'm going to give you some leeway here. I think this is also really comes down to the camera format you're using. That's a huge factor that gets overlooked here. So if I was shooting on a full frame or, you know, let's even go crazier, let's go medium format, you know, am I going to be worried about the difference between F2.8 and F4? Probably not as much. I mean, not from a pro, pro perspective, but, you know, F4 on a full frame camera still gives you beautiful bokeh. But if you then went and translated this into, say, a crop sensor or a micro four thirds, F4 is looking a hell of a lot more like F8 from a full frame. You know, so can you get beautiful bokeh on an F4 lens when you're dealing with a much smaller sensor? No, I'm not convinced of that. But if I'm talking full frame here, you know, like for like, um, you know, we're talking the holy trinity and stuff. I still think that F4 gives you gives you a, a nice bokeh. I wasn't I wasn't just talking about bokeh there. I was talking about the bit where you've got the eyes really sharp and the rest of the face falling away, which is hard to of do. Of course. Elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing is like you could translate wildlife and portraiture is not that different. They're just some of the animals are hairier. And I think that if you, if you look at like wildlife lenses, this is something that I learned the hard way. Um, when it's, I didn't learn it the hard way. I still love my lens to pieces, but I bought the F2.8 400 mil Nikon, which costs an absolute bloody fortune. That's and it weighs a ton. Yeah. But it's, it's, I, I've been wanting it for a long time. Anyway, um, we were in South Africa photographing um, the wildlife there. And one thing that really struck me, the first couple of days, I was so bloody excited about F2.8. Like I've never had 400 mil F2.8. Shooting, shooting, shooting. Look on the computer and you've got the eyeball is razor sharp. It is dead sharp, but you can't make out the rest of the animal. And so when you're on a long tele lens, um, that bokeh is, or the shallow depth of field is highly exaggerated. And so you're actually, my best shots, most of my shots were actually taken, you know, F4, even up to F8, just to make sure I get the thing in focus. So I'm not saying that that lens doesn't have other qualities that are worth the money, but certainly the F2.8 aspect of it, you know, I don't, don't I almost never use it at F2.8 shooting wildlife because the shallow depth of field is just too shallow. We've, we've forgotten the most important reason a lot of people use 2.8 lenses, which is sport. So all the issues you get with wedding shooting, you sort of times by 10 when you're trying to shoot sport. So I've not been in an indoor sporting venue outside of a professional um, location where when you're at one, one thousandth of a second, which is probably what you need to start freezing action, you're not at at least ISO 3200 at F2.8. And most places you're at least 6,400. Um, so that really becomes an issue. If you're, if you're going to 12,800, they're starting to look pretty poor pictures. So you're either having to bring the shutter speed down and you're getting blurred players um, or you're 
got this digital snowstorm. And there's just no way around that. The only way around it is to use indoor strobes and many places won't let you do that. Um, and there is just no simple way around it. The other reason it's really important, I think, in sport is subject isolation. This is not a portrait where you're shooting someone who's really close to the lens and you can blur the background out. They're often, you know, only filling maybe half or a three quarters of the, the frame, the whole body. And if you want to blur out the advertising hoarding behind, you need to be shooting at 2.8. And even then you might have an issue. Um, and sometimes I'm dragging in a 300 mil 2.8 to do that. Um, so there is just no, no way around that. Sports. Sports. I can't argue that. Um, I, I tend to agree. I think that, um, you know, if you're looking at those longer zoom lenses and to be perfectly honest, most of those longer zooms, you can't buy an F4 version. They're usually F5.6 to 6.7. So they're like, they, there's a huge gap there. And you're right that in fast moving subject matter, that, um, that aperture difference, the numbers sound small. You know, if someone says, oh, 2.8, 5.7 or, or you know, whatever it is, that doesn't sound like a lot, but in, in terms of actually how much light there is, it is a tremendous difference. So it's going to really smash your shutters or your ISO. Um, you know, I think what's, what's important to keep in mind during this whole like back and forth is, is your user. And I noticed Nick that you're, you're very glued onto the professional user here. I mean, we are, we you, are going to get of, there. You're forgetting the people and we are, we are going to get to the, we are going to get to the audience and photographer types and skill levels next. One thing I just well, wanted to go back to real quick with sport. That's obviously very, very applicable with indoor sports uh, and outdoor sport. Outdoor sport as well in broad daylight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the same reason, which is to um, to try and to try and sort of blur out the background to an extent. So if you take um, if you take a runner or a motorcyclist against a whole lot of green trees or a green field, they don't really stand out very much unless you get really low and you can get the sky behind them. Um, so the only thing you've got left, other than sort of moving around to try and get a different background, is to try and blur that background out so they come out sort of pin sharp. Mm, okay. Um, and I, I actually did some more research here. So I looked at the the photos I've taken over the last twelve months. So I've taken on my Lightroom catalog thirty eight thousand one hundred forty three photos in the last. Even my most, months. this was in in burst mode at sixty frames a second. So he's only been out three times. Yeah. <laughs> and of those, so the, the lens I use most seventy to two hundred. So nineteen thousand of those were on seventy to two hundred. Of those 19,000, 38,000, 7,363 were f2.8. How many of those were? Sounds lazy, doesn't it? Sounds like you didn't even know how to change the settings. Like you just went and said, oh, automatic, go. (laughs) If I look at those that were taken under f4, so 3.5 or 2.8 or 3.2, that was 13,000. That was 68% were taken. At a speed you couldn't have at an aperture you couldn't have done with an f4 length well you so um, that's yeah. definitely that, hold on but like just so everyone who's listening to this doesn't get all you know on you know nick's bandwagon and start sending him love letters i i you're also exclusively sport almost and astro you don't really do too much outside of those two genres maybe with some landscape but not events i do i do an events yeah a lot, a lot of shooting people at events so often indoors in in, yeah. in an evening yeah so so this is i think you know let's break out of your sports box for just a second and and talk about any other genre you know tell me tell me one reason why i'd bother to getting getting an f2.8 and just in doing so i'm going to be spending 
on average double the price at least to get that extra mm, extra well, stop of yeah. light. So well, price will come up. You know, in a huge sec. cost difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me, what other genre am I going to be going? Hey, you know, what? I'm going to spend double the money to get that extra performance. So we've got Astro. I agree. Yeah, sure. Astro, you need it's low light. You need lots of light. I get it. Sports, sure. Indoor stuff with events and weddings and all that stuff. But you think about all our users at BFOP, think about all the workshops that we run up there. You know, what? I feel like you're missing a lot of genres in your argument here. I mean, I would say that for landscape photographers, you know, your sweet spot in a lens is sitting anywhere from F8 through to, or F5.6 to F8. Generally, landscapes are being shot, crop sensors at somewhere between F8 and F11, full frames F11 to F16. You're never touching that end of the spectrum. So you're spending a lot of money on this inconvenient blob that you have to carry around in your bag um, that's hard to fit filters onto. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think you've got to break out of your sports box to have this conversation. I, I did start this conversation by admitting that for landscape photographers, you probably, apart from one really good reason, which is with your 2.8 lens, you're going to look like Puff Daddy as we've already covered. P Diddy. Okay. Okay. So what other genres have we got here? I mean, yes. I feel like what we're other really genres missing a whole bunch do you want to bring into this conversation really quickly before we move on, Matt? Um, Ooh, I would say, okay, I'll just say uh, most use, most people who listen to this podcast at some point in time are being delegated the job of being family photographer, taking photos of groups. So I've got a group of 10 people at Christmas or, you know, let's say Easter because it's Easter now. Although if you did, you'd probably be in jail. So I don't know, let's say last Christmas, um, taking a photo of a group of 10 people. Um, you've got a bit of depth in there. The problem with having an F2.8 lens in your kit is that your temptation is to be like Nick and shoot 78% of your photos at f2.8. And then what you find is Aunt, Aunt Betsy at the back there has got a slightly blurry face. And she might appreciate that for the, for the wrinkle D, you know, the wrinkle smoothing. But, um, but certainly uh, when you look back at those and, and you can hardly recognize her because that's shallow depth of field, I reckon that Aunt Betsy's going to have a problem with that. You know, that was it. Yeah. Nick, any response well, to I, that? No, no, I think he's exactly right. It's okay. sort of, uh, as soon as you, as soon as you've got groups, you need a, a, um, a narrower aperture there is one other one other one other good reason why and again it's a little bit sporty but if you're using outdoor strobes again you're going to be shooting at a wide aperture um, okay so How would you uh, need a wide aperture for outdoor strobes sorry Nick. oh uh this is let's do a strobe one but um are we hold on are we talking high speed sync stuff yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, okay because most people again listening to this podcast if they were doing this they might not have those ten thousand dollar ellen crumb lights that you carry in your backpack <laughs> And so they probably would not have the high speed sync capability that you've got. So therefore they might need to stop it down to get rid of some of that natural light. Just saying. Yeah. That's, mm. You know, you're, you're right. You let's, uh, let's move it on to a value. Well, that's you all start, relative, Matt? isn't it? Do you want to start? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, look, it depends where I was. If I was in my love shack up in bright, riding my motorbike around whilst throwing the drone in the air, I might sort of go, <laughs> I'd just buy the F2.8 version because you know, what's a cup of coffee, but for most of us, I'd probably be thinking to myself, what is going to create better photos in my life? You know, this is a conversation I have with students on my workshops all the time. They go, what should I buy next? And my answer is you should go and buy an experience that's actually going to take you somewhere where you'll see cool stuff. So if I had a budget of $2,000 and that could buy me, say, oh, let's, let's, let's be realistic here. I've got a budget of $3,000 to buy my uh, 2.8 version of one of those Trinity lenses. Um, I could either buy just the lens and then be so cash strapped that I'm going to sit at home and take selfies with it and get beautiful bokeh, sure, Nick, um, or some photos of the kids skateboarding because that's sporty. Um, or 
I go and spend half the price and generally it is half or even sometimes less. And uh, then I can afford the lens. And now I can also afford to take myself somewhere where I'll see the beautiful things I want to photograph in the first place. But then if I've got a budget of $20,000, I might not be so fast about it. So Matt, Matt, Matt again, might make some very good points, but is ultimately making a really basic mistake here. Um, I agree. Given the choice of spending $1,500 or $3,000 on a lens or going away somewhere glamorous and taking photographs, you should go away from somewhere glamorous and take photographs. Um, but that's not the choice you've got because those 2.8 Holy Trinity lenses have been made for 30 years. They've always made them professional photographers. So there's this huge back catalog of superbly capable lenses. And because those 2.8 are built for professionals, they're built like tanks. They're almost impossible to destroy. So your choice is buy a new F4 because they're not been making those F4 lenses very long or go out and buy a second-hand 2.8. So, I mean, I shoot Nikon, but we can talk Canon, I'll shoot Nikon. So you can go and buy one of the X lenses, or you can go and buy the um, the VR2 7200 2.8. I think that's about $3,500 new. Superb lens. Or you can go and buy the, the, uh, the VR1, which is now about 15 years old, um, and that'll cost you a thousand dollars for a really good copy secondhand. Tell me though, I'm going to ask, and, I, and I'm actually talking out of turn here because I don't know the answer to this. I do. Okay. Go on then. Uh, <laughs> one thing that always concerns me with older lenses, because I think you're right, um, they can be the sharpness of older lenses sometimes is even rivals current lenses. Some of the best lenses on the planet were made 20 years ago. Um, that said. Tell me about autofocus speeds between the VR1 from 15 years ago and the FL ED crazy one from last year. Here we come. Year. Here we come. I think Almost he was no ready difference. for this. Almost no difference. Like, I, I've used them both. Almost no difference at all. The difference between those lenses are that the modern lens is very slightly sharper in the center and a lot sharper at the edges. Basically, you know, the edges where no one gives a shit about other than lens reviewers. That's the I won't difference. argue with that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the newer one's a little bit lighter and the newer one does something quite different when you're shooting backlit subjects. Um, but that's all the difference. And you get a little bit more vignetting in the older lenses. So it saves you having to put that in Lightroom later. If you're shooting, if you're shooting a crop sensor camera, all those problems go away. The vignetting goes away. The softness at the edges goes away. You just got a nice sharp bit in the middle and you've paid less than an F4 lens for a thousand dollar lens. And here, here's the kicker. You buy that lens today for a thousand dollars. Are you about to try and sell some lenses? You buy that lens today for a thousand thousand dollars you can sell it in two years time for how much a thousand dollars it's like never rent a lens buy it on ebay and sell it three weeks later it's like it's free it's amazing i'm uh, gonna tangent here but i like so i don't disagree with any of that i i definitely agree i don't think that that's the case across all brands i'll be honest so i think that's definitely the case with nikon most likely the case with canon i would say that a lot of our um listeners are probably fuji Olympus, Panasonic, Sony, Sony and yep. they don't necessarily have the backlog. I mean, Olympus do with adapters and stuff like that. No? Okay. Nick looks like a goldfish. I, that's, I was just about yeah. to say, one Nick's... word, adapt. Buy a well, yeah, lens no, and adapt. No. So I disagree with that. I've played with adapters. I've used adapters, different brand lenses on different brand cameras, and all sorts of autofocus dipshittery happens. 
and the speed does generally, in my opinion, slow down. Um, they're clunky. I, I'm not saying don't do it, but if you're doing something like the genres you're talking about, if I'm if we're if we're going to bring up, you know, pro wedding photography and pro sports photography and event photography, the last thing I'm going to do in my life is rock around with an adapter that is potentially not going to do the job because most of them are third party brands that, you know, they'll work, but they'll work maybe not quite as long as your other gear. So, no, I, I would I say that if you. Yeah, your Nikoners and Canons, I definitely agree that you, you're going to get that effect with the secondhand gear. But I would say that that's excluding a lot of people in the market. But I think you were just making the argument that there's very few of the people we're talking to who are professional wedding photographers or sports sure. photographers. For landscapes, everything else, you get an amazingly built lens, bloody sharp for not very much money and with zero depreciation. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I will say one thing you brought up that was really interesting, and this is probably a whole nother conversation, but a lot of people ask me, they're going to, you know, well, obviously not now, but they were going on trips to Africa and stuff like that. And they always say, what lens should I buy? And my advice is to always go out and buy a brand new, brand spanking new lens, go and buy like one of those neoprene covers for it, take it to Africa for a week and really look after it. When you come back, it'll be worth pretty much exactly what you bought it for if you get a good sale on it. Um, or at least it'll have depreciated less than what the rental will have cost you as well. So, um, yeah. So you mentioned adapters Quick and tips. stuff like that. Are they, because we're talking value for money here, what kind of, for a decent adapter, how much is that going to set someone back? You, you're, yeah, asking, you're asking two of the people you shouldn't be asking about this because neither is shoot mirrorless, but somewhere between $300 and $600, but it then fits every other Nikon lens you have. Yeah, that's true. I just think that's a that's a... It's a very odd solution. I think it's a clunky solution, like a transformer zombified solution. If that's all you've got or you've already got the old glass, go go nuts. But I wouldn't be going out there saying, I'm going to start investing in old lenses and putting adapters on them um, You know, with my brand shiny new camera. There's, there's a lot of reasons to not do that. Oh, there's a lot of reasons to do that as well, which is, an, again, another podcast classic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we've just, we're coming up with content as we go. This is great. We've got a whole year's worth here. Mate, I'm making notes, so don't worry about that. So next, <clears throat> we want to talk about audience. And when I say audience, I mean people looking at photos on their Facebooks and their Instagrams where they see most of their photos. Are they going to notice a difference? And photographer skill level. As in, as a photographer, what skill level and what sort of knowledge do I need to have to be able to get the most out of my lens, be it f4 or f2.8? Uh, I'll, I'll, you've, you've talked a lot about sports stuff, so I'm going to go into this. Is my, I feel like this is like me standing up for the, the people aspect here. Um, so experience level, I don't think it's, a, it's maybe straight experience level um, I would say that what experience and knowledge is going to get you here is that if you have an F4, like if you gave a professional an F2.8 lens and an F4 lens and a portrait and free reign to move people around or do what, you know, arrange the scene, I have no doubt they'll be able to achieve a very similar, if not the same look. You know, it's all about distances when it comes to say depth of field. Um, and when it comes to light um, and the amount of light, obviously we can manipulate that with turning the lights up, for instance. Um, I, I, I really have to say I, I'm a huge fan of being realistic. And I think the realistic fact with this is that outside of buying secondhand lenses and adapters and stuff like that, to me, the, the average user who's putting their photos on Facebook, taking pictures for family or for their own hobby, there is so much you can get out of an F4 lens. Like there is so much. Um, and I think that, it's often overlooked because there's a better option out there, but there's always a better option in terms of, you know, performance. And so 
to me, I'd say your average user, given the budgets that most people sort of talk about with their photography, um, I mean, if you can afford an f2.8 lens and all the bells and whistles that go with it, you know, one, one example here I was saying earlier is about ND filters and polarizers. If you get a, a ultra wide lens, so, you know, you're talking your 16 to 35 from Nikon or there's the, uh, is it 14 to 24? Um, it's, it, yeah, it's two millimeters difference in terms of your width, sure. So not maybe 100% like for like. Um, 16 to 35, it's got a 77 millimeter thread on it. I go and buy a stock standard 77 millimeter polarizer, ND filter, whatever it is, and I'm done. If I go for the one that's two millimeters wider and gives me the f2.8, well, in landscape, I'm probably never going to use that f2.8 anyway. Um, and if I want to put a filter on it, I need to go and buy a whole, like, um, what are they even called? Like an adapter and adapter fittings and things like that. And then I have to go and buy like a 95 millimeter filter to go on the adapters to even make it fit. And it's not something you can just leave on the lens because it's a big clunky setup. So that's a huge sacrifice for your average landscape or day-to-day photographer with an ultra, ultra wide. Um, and I think people don't factor that price into it as well. You know, they go, oh, that's right. I'm going to buy this, you know, I'll get the F2.8 because it's only an extra 1500. And then the first question is, oh, I need a polarizing filter for my landscapes. And then they're up for another, you know, 800 bucks because of all the accessories you need to add to that stupid lens just to get the polarizer onto it. So I, I feel that for your average user, um, if you're not doing major you know, massive intricate prints or, you know, intricate photography, you're just sort of doing, you know, hobbyist stuff. I don't think you'd see the difference, but I agree, I agree with Nick. If you're a pro, um, you'd be pretty foolish to rock up with just an F4 lens to an indoor venue to try and shoot something. Cause you're going to find very quickly something else will destroy your photo. Nick. Yeah. I think, um, I, th- I think there's a, there's a time in your photography where you, you start feeling limited by the equipment. Um, and, and sometimes you don't even know it until you borrow a, you know, it, it, I can remember I borrowed a, it was a, just a 50 mil 1.4. And I just remember going, Jesus, those photos look quite different. And um, I could do some different things with that lens. Uh, and it's worth borrowing either a 2.8 or an F4, but a, a, a non um, variable aperture lens. So not like a, you know, a 70 to 300 that goes from 3.5 to 5.6, uh, because generally the quality, the sharpness you get out of the lenses when as soon when you get to those sort of the higher end lenses, which tend to be a fixed um, aperture at the wide end, um, that they are sharper lenses and the, the images just look and feel different. And if you can't see that difference, or if you're really struggling to get sharp images out of it, there's no point spending the money, you know, whether it's 2.8 or F4. Um, but there's a there's a point in your photography where you look at it and you look at it on Lightroom and go, I can really see a difference there. Um, the the practicality is you take an image taken on a poor lens or a good lens and you put it on a mobile phone screen through Facebook at 256 pixels, can't tell a bloody difference. But if you print it or if you're looking in Lightroom, you really can tell, tell the difference. And then as far as, so I would say, you know, an F, F4, F2.8, you know, most of the F2.8 lenses are slightly sharper, but no one, not the most people are going to see. And the only, only times the F4 tend to be sharper is when they're a more modern version of the lens. Um, but it's not a, not a difference anyone's going to notice. The, the reason you're getting the 2.8 over the F4 is because you've got a particular um, use case in mind. 
it might be astrophotography, it might be sports photography, it might be indoor venues. If it's none of those things, get the F4, save yourself $1,500. I'd say the exception to this as well is again, coming back to the camera style that people are using. So, um, you know, I'm gonna use Olympus as an example here because I really love their cameras. I love their lenses and their people um, and obviously their users. Um, but uh, I've got to say that this is one that's a bit of a sticking point for me. I've there's got a, um, a 12 to 100 f4 lens, so it's a fixed aperture, so you can use f4 at 12 millimeters or 100 millimeters. Um, and they've also got the f2 12 to 40 and then 40 to 150, which is sort of a combo that makes up a similar kind of range. Um, and I think that it's easy to get uh, to, to listen to this conversation or to read articles that are sort of based around this conversation and try and apply them to your own system. But they're mostly written for full frame cameras and crop sensor Canons and Nikons and, you know, Fuji's and Sony's are sort of similar sensor size. And I think that, um, you know, when we talk about our, the aperture won't be that big of a difference, you know, you could get away with either either. So I'm saying that in a landscape, you won't see the difference. You won't see that across the board. If you look at a portrait, I think on an F4 on a full frame camera, you can get a nice bokeh out of that anyway. If you go to a micro four thirds um, sensor, do just keep in mind that the apertures don't give you the same bokeh level and neither do crop sensor cameras. So factor that in when you're talking about it or when you're making a decision. I'd hate to see someone go, oh, I can get amazingly blurry bokeh backgrounds with my F4 on my Panasonic, you know, 12 millimeter. It's just not gonna happen the same way that you'd see the exact same aperture on a full frame. So we won't go into the details as to why tonight, but, um, yeah, you've got to be wary of that. I think you'll find that pro photographers, and I use that in inverted commas because it sort of fits a whole genre of people that are not necessarily pro in there too. If you're a pro photographer taking indoor shots, wanting beautiful bokeh, you're probably using a camera that's relatively high ISO capable um, and you're probably using it, it's got a bigger sensor on it too, so probably a full frame. So all of these factors exaggerate what that F2.8 is going to give you as well. Whereas if you said, hey, I'm, I've got a, you know, like an old school, like a D90, and I'm going to buy the f2.8 lens and expect to get all these wonderful things happening. You know, they will happen better than what they would if they were the f4, but it's not going to be the same. So keep your camera in mind here too. Does that any, make sense? I feel like I rambled a lot there. Any quick response to that, Nick? I thought it made sense. No, I think it does. I think it's like, I think sort of there are some really notable people who get, who use those small format cameras, like Nick Jonas, amazing wedding totally. photographer. Um, and, but he's shooting on the fastest lenses he can get for that system. And he's not someone who sort of goes for dreamy sort of bokeh shots. Sort of, he's not mm. that sort of photographer. Um, he's, he's and they also, have the, he, their, their lenses are like f one point two as well. Yeah. So like you know that's the equivalent of full frame of having your f I think f two oh f two. And he's so. he is as you've both mentioned numerous times. He is one of well, he's an internationally awarded wedding photographer. He's one of the best out there. Yeah, he's superb. And that's, that's what I mean. I'm not, not definitely not, um, you know, putting the camera system down. Uh, it's just something to be wary of, you know, um, again, if you were shooting on your, you know, Olympuses and Panasonics, for instance, they do have a smaller sensor. It means that you need to be much more wary of the F, you know, aperture there um, in terms of, you know, the difference between F 2.8 and F 1.8, um, even F 1.8 and F 1.4. Um, they actually have a bigger difference between those stops than what you would find on a full frame because you're actually doubling out the depth of field. So it's right. something to be wary of. It's you can definitely get around it, and and you, as you say, Nick Nick shoots it. I mean, God, Dennis uh, he, Dennis Smith shoots uh, Olympus. Um, stacks of awesome photographers shoot those systems. But they're, they're, this is you're asking about before. You know the the experience level. 
they know how to get those effects out of their camera. They know what to look for. So they're not going into it just blind, asking the camera shop, what should I buy? And they go, I'll just grab this one. They're really specifically getting lenses fit for purpose um, and they will get the result. All right, gentlemen, I think it's time for closing statements. So keep in mind, this will go out. It will be the BFOP groupies that are going to hear this, that are going to make a call. So I am going to give you both two minutes to put out your final and closing statements before we wrap this up. Shall I flip a coin to see who goes first? I think you should flip a coin, yeah. Does anyone want to call it? or do I just... tension's, tension's killing us. Nick's getting even more grey hairs. <laughs> should, should, I, should I just assign... A side each, or is someone going to call it? I'll call I think it. Nick can have heads. Nick's going to call it. What are you? What are you going to call Nick for you to go first? Oh, uh, heads. You heads. Heads. Can, yeah. I, can I just ask? Sorry, Wes. Is it a silver coin? No, it's a go to dollar. <laughs> ah, okay. That's it is, right. There might be a correlation between Nick choosing it's, silver and something to do with your hair. It's a. There, we can <laughs> see there on the camera. It it is not yeah. a two headed coin. It is a dollar, and it's got two sides. Beautiful. It has two sides. So heads. Nick goes first. Tails. Matt goes first. Drum roll. I don't, oh, damn it, I didn't put the drum roll sound effect on. God damn it. It is a tail. Matthew, you go first. Um, all right. Your two minutes starts now. All right. So there are definitely some genres where your F2.8 is going to beat your F4. Absolutely. And those genres, I think, in my experience, fall towards more of the pro photographers. Um, or the highly, highly experienced photographers who have almost gotten bored of their gear. Um, I would say for your average person listening to this podcast, um, given the BFOP troop, I would suggest to you that um, you probably have a budget of some sort because this is not a money-making exercise. And therefore, with that budget, there are much, much better ways to spend your money um, than blowing it all on a lens and then not being able to do anything with it. I would be very conscious about working out the entire cost of a system as well. So I think that overall you'll find an F4 system, um, you know, as I said, with the, like the bulbous lenses you get on F2.8 um, wide angle lenses, for instance, um, factor in the cost of your lens setup or your, sorry, your filter setup for that. If you've got ND filters, grad filters and things like that, they get tremendously more expensive and bulky. You're doing lots and lots of travel. Keep in mind the weight difference. Yep, sure. Canon has a very small two great difference. But uh, I would suggest if you did some, some research on your whole kit and not just on that one specific lens that Nick picked out, I think you're going to find very quickly that there are big weight differences and they start to add up. If I consider these days that international travel is only giving you seven kilos of carry-on rather than your 10 kilos, um, saying, oh, it's only an extra kilogram. Well, you tell that to the Jetstar check-in counter and you tell me what, uh, what they say back to you um, because I can guarantee that that extra kilogram is either being shoved down your underpants and taken on the plane or you're going to be leaving it in a locker somewhere. So I think there's lots of good reasons to, uh, to be choosing the F2.8s if you're a pro, but for most people, F4 is going to do an absolutely bang-up job. Um, as I said, unless, of course, if you're on a small, small sensor system, then you've got to be a bit more conscious. <gasps> How much time have I got left? 10 seconds. 10 seconds. In that case, I'll just um, sit here and admire the view because I don't need to argue any harder than that. Wow. There you go. Right. That is, I have just pressed pause and that is two minutes and 67 milliseconds. So that's perfect. And uh, we'll reset the timer. Nick, are you ready? Yeah, I'm good to go. Let's make sure that spread, you got the spreadsheet up. Three, two, one. It's yours. So on every single metric you look at, a 2.8 lens is, is going to be better. So if you look at bokeh, if you look at focusing speed, something we haven't even spoken about, in low light, 
focusing speed, whether it be mirrorless or DSLR, is going to be faster on a 2.8 lens, like for light, than an f4. And it's going to be more accurate. You look at sharpness, like for like, similar, similar sort of release date. 2.8 lens is generally going to be sharper. It's certainly going to be sharper at the corners. If you look at robustness and waterproofness, they are built for professionals. They are almost indestructible. That's why you get 30-year-old 30, 30 lenses that still work fine. Now, I admit it is slightly heavier, but the only time that matters is the use case Matt's just given, which is getting on an aircraft. I've flown internationally for years. I have never been stopped getting on a plane because you... No, I'm going inter to interject there. I'm going to pause First the timer. First gives you way more than seven kilograms. I'm pausing the timer. Wait, say that again, Matt. I just said, you can't say... like. He's ignoring the fact that first class gives you way more than seven kilograms. I'm talking about the average user. Sorry, you keep going. All right, it's uh, it's, it's yours keep again, talking Nick. To your golden microphone. Because what what happens? You get on the plane and they say, "How much is that way?" And you say, "About twenty kilos." And they say, "Can we put it in the hold?" And you say, "Do you want to have a look inside?" You open it up and you say, "That lot cost twenty grand. Do you want to put it in the hold?" And they go, "No, you just put it up there, sir." They never make you put it in the hold. Um, so we come down to only one thing that really matters, which is price. And you only pay for a brand new 2.8 lens. If you're dumb, go and buy a five-year-old, a 10-year-old one, and they're less than the F4 lenses. And they don't depreciate. How many, how many brand new F2.8 lenses have you bought, Nick? One. <laughs> Dummy. One. Only one. Um, <laughs> Half my lenses are secondhand for exactly that reason. So there is no reason why you shouldn't shoot with 2.8. If you can afford F4, you can afford F2.8. And uh, I can only think of a handful of use cases where you'd choose F4. And that would be the case where you're weak of leg and weak of lung, and you just stagger up a mountain with it. Any normal human being can manage that extra three grapes. There you go. That wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. We're going to put it out to you guys. I'm not making a call on who won. I'm not getting in between these two because they'll take it personally and I will get attacked. How do we feel we went, gentlemen? Smashed it. You know, I, I yeah, I obviously smashed it. But no, I, I think that uh, I think I'm actually a bit sad, to be honest. I'm sad at this outcome because I feel like ultimately we kind of agree that you know, the F2.8, sure, like in many ways it's better, but it is not as well. I think that we've actually come to a bit of middle ground and I hate that. So I think we have to put it out to the people to really make that decision. I think just like BFOP always, you know, we, we go in there with these, these conflicting ideas, but then we just come out being friends, hugging. So, you know. And, and oh, in true BFOP say, fashion, we've all been drinking. Indeed. Well, what, I, yeah. what, what I would say is for most people who go to BFOP, they would be better off buying four primes than three holy trinity lenses for what they do what do you i think they'd be better off probably buying one and then just you know making sure you get up to brighton and and treat the local community with your extra your extra coin you know just flush it around to all the local shops and support them that would be that would be very if you very go good. up there if you go up there at the moment they'll be out with their pitchforks go get back to melbourne <laughs> you scum how did you get through well, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sufficiently local to pass the uh, I'm not Melbourne scum. Or did you sneak in at about two o'clock in the morning and ditch <laughs> no. all the roadblocks? <laughs>
it's, like, they couldn't they couldn't see the helicopter was, from main of town. course yeah. of course i forgot he flew in on flew the family in on the helicopter i should have known i should have known gentlemen thank you very much for your time we will wrap it up there we'll put it out to the groupies and we'll wait and anticipate eagerly what their response will be all right, BFOP groupies, you've heard it. You've heard the arguments. You've heard the insults. You've heard the banter. Matt for the F4, Nick for the F2.8. We need you to help us decide who wins, who gets bragging rights. There's going to be a Facebook poll, so jump into the BFOP groupies page, find that post with the poll, and cast your vote on who you think should take home the bacon. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing what you guys think, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.